On today's episode of Life Leadership and the Pursuit of Greatness, Dwayne Mathis and I spend an hour with Coach Randy Jackson from North Forney High School around the Dallas area in Texas. He's the author of two books, Culture Defeat Strategy and Culture Defeats Strategy 2, which is really a blueprint for coaches looking to install a culture that breeds excellence. Coach Jackson talks about effort, he talks about how to win forever, and he talks about ways that you can, right now, be a better coach and be a better, more effective leader in your program. We can't wait to get started. Here we go. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Life Leadership and the Pursuit of Greatness. I'm your host, Tim Lovell. I'm here in a beautiful day in uh, East Central Iowa with my co-host, Dwayne Mathis. How are you, buddy? Doing well. It's a uh, little little overcast here in Des Moines, but uh, sun's trying to peak out and, uh, you know, it's a... Uh, Parks are opening up, all those things. Uh, a lot of different businesses are opening them back up here in Iowa, so it's a it's a good deal. Was out at the park earlier with my my young kids, and and you would have thought that uh, their hair was on fire. You know that they'd just been uh, unleashed. You know for awesome. You know a couple months. So, but yeah, it's it's a good day. Great to be here today with Coach Jackson. Yeah, you segued right, right into that. Uh, Coach Mathis was able to get in touch with. Uh, head coach at North Forney High School around Dallas, uh, Randy Jackson. He's spending time with us today talking about the concepts of leadership and building culture and things that you can do to be a better leader. Um, so that takes us right to it. Coach Jackson, thanks for being with us today. We know you've been really busy with your move. Uh, so welcome. Oh, thanks, guys. What an honor to be here. Uh, really appreciate uh, you guys having me on. And and uh, this is my passion and getting to talk about building programs and building culture. And thanks for giving me that, uh, you know, that vehicle to do that today. Well, we're honored you're doing so, you know, and when, when Dwayne and I started this podcast, it really was the, the concept that we want to help coaches be better. Um, you know, I, I think we can all find X's and O's stuff that will help us be, be better, but it's hard to get, uh, the nuts and bolts of what it's like to actually be in that position of leadership. And you've had a lot of experience and you've written some phenomenal books, uh, Culture Defeat Strategy and Culture Defeat Strategy 2. Um, you've been at several high schools in the Texas area. And, and so you've got really a great experience and, and great things to draw from that we're going to talk about today. But before we dive into that, Coach, do you mind sharing with our listeners, the people that aren't maybe as familiar with, with Coach Randy Jackson, your elevator speech, how you got to North Forney? Sure. Um, so I grew up, guys, in, in, in East Texas a town of about 1,000. Uh, it's called Tenahaw. And my dad was a head football, head basketball, head track coach, you know, all that stuff, small schools. And um, went to Louisiana Monroe and played football there. Went back to Texas and started coaching. This I've just finished 31 years, um, 21 as a head coach, and made a lot of mistakes, moved too many times, took some jobs I shouldn't have. Uh, but... Um, you know, I really have. As I, I don't have to teach. You know, as a as a head football coach, North Forney is about nineteen hundred students, and so really, I'm I'm really lucky. I'm a football coach basically, but I, I still love teaching. And so, what what you guys are letting me do, and what I'm trying to do with writing books and all that, is still teach. And so, my passion is to help young coaches, or just I just think it's such an honorable profession. So. Um, got to North Forney three years ago, um, and starting year four, we've had some success. Um, kind of, I'm kind of doing this backwards, y'all. I'll apologize, but uh, in 2015, uh, like like a lot of times happens in life, you got to get to a really bad place to know to say I need some help. And so in 2000, so I started my coaching career in 1999, Paducah, Texas, 115 kids in high school. Uh, I hadn't told this story. I've, I've done a few podcasts, so I'm going to try to tell some things I hadn't told. But um, I think this is a funny one. Uh, we had a JV, 25 kids out in football total, and we had a JV, and uh, we had an 11-man game, and then we got some kids hurt. We had an eight-man game, and then we played a six-man game. So our JV schedule that year was three games. We had an 11, eight, and a six. And so uh, is that small? And um, – Moved so many times. In 2013, I was uh, in, in 2010. I caught a, a break and got head coach at North at 
Mesquite Poteet, my first big school. Um, 2013, I was a head coach at the biggest high school in Texas. And so anyway, kind of made some mistakes through the way. I know that's longer than 60 seconds, but uh, have moved a lot, y'all. And in 2015, I got in such a dark place. 2013 was bad. I went to Grapevine. We were bad in 2014. So I got desperate and I did what I what everybody should do before you get desperate, and that's I hired a coach. And his name's Brian Kane. He's a peak performance mental coach kind. He works with SMU football at the time, TCU Bay. He worked he, colleges all across the country, and so he's the guy who pulled the curtain back for me on how to create culture and all that. And so that's kind of really where I've been today. I wrote a book in 2016, Culture Defeat Strategy, and uh, wrote another. I released the other one. January 1st of this year. And basically the culture defeat strategy is about how to create core values and things that I had no idea about. And then culture defeat strategy too, is me going to a new school and implementing them at a new school. And so I'm sorry guys, that took a long time, but um, uh, basically my heart is to uh, help coaches um, just help coaches help kids. So coach, when you look at, uh, you know, I, I was a, am a big fan of your culture defeat strategies one and two but i mean and you kind of touched on a little bit but what was kind of your your path to because i've never thought about writing a book uh, you know so how does that come to your mind and how does that uh, develop inside of you to be like hey you know i want to write a book to to get this information out to to, out to coaches because that to me that would seem like a very daunting task oh yeah it's mount everest right and so yeah Here's what happened to me. I'd been with Brian Kane about eight, maybe nine months, whatever. And so I was at a conference and he said, Randy, you ought to write a book. And my first thought was, I've never won a state championship. So who am I to write a book? And then he said, man, it's easy. He said, just take your core values and make a chapter out of each core value. I thought, okay, now I can get there, I think. But here's what really sold me is... No one heart like this is hilarious to me, y'all almost, but Amazon started out as a book publishing company and they will print and sell any book. You do not have to get it approved. So when I found that out, it took all the pressure off of me because I thought I'm not going to spend six or eight weeks and somebody tell, you know, you hear all those stories, right, of rejection letters and all that. Well, you know, what I've done is self-publish my book. Amazon takes a big cut of it, but... um but I also buy copies from them and sell them off my website. But here's the, the bottom line, y'all, is uh, I felt like I had a message to share because, y'all, I'm telling you, just learning how to create core values changed my life. You know, like letting the players be in on it and, and just a systematic way to create a culture. You know, I had a culture. I think I had a culture before I met Brian Kane, and I'd won some games. I mean, not to sound arrogant, but I was the coach of the year in Texas in 2010. And so it wasn't that I was doing things wrong, but I really didn't have a system to create core values until I met Brian Kane. And so I really had that heart in me of like, man, I want to share this because Brian Kane costs $500 an hour. So, uh, you know, uh, but I, it was so good. And so I really, my heart was in the right place. I was hoping to sell a hundred copies I knew I knew it would help me. I like to speak at clinics. I knew it'd be a good business card to speak at clinics. My grandkids would have something to read one day. And but coaches are so awesome. They coaches will retweet it. They'll post pictures of it. And so I'm over 7,500 copies now. And I think it's because it's just a systematic way to do it. But but that's the y'all like one one time. Uh, so I, that book was published in 16. We got beat in 17 and. After the game, I heard an assistant coach say, write a book about this. You know, I mean, you really have to put yourself out there a little bit, you know. And so uh, but I think once I learned uh, he helped me with like the structure of, hey, just make each chapter one of your core values and then Amazon will print anything. Uh, I'm like, OK, I'm a, I'm one of those ready fire aim guys anyway, you know, so uh, I was like, let's go. Apologize. Uh, you mentioned Brian Kane being an influencer to get you to write those books and give you the backbone for that. Who are some of your other your your major influencers, Coach? 
as, as you developed your philosophies? Um, you know, I think here's so I was really lucky. My first year to ever coach was with a guy named Phil Blue. He's still an athletic director now at Abilene ISD and just a man of integrity. He was awesome. I mean, he's still I bet you I've called Phil Blue 200 times in my career and said, what would you do here? So everybody listen to this, y'all. You got to have one of those guys. Um, you know, I, I'd be terrible. Like I grew up in a coaching household. So my dad now, he's passed away now, but we're exact opposites. I'm very, very uh, type A. He's the most laid back guy. Referees loved him. You know, I don't think any referees going to heaven, you know, those kind of things. But uh, but I learned how to treat people, you know, and then as a young coach, you know, I had friends of mine who worked for coaches, you know, who all they did at coaching conventions were, were, were drink and, and get drunk, right? And so – I learned early on to go sit on the front row. And so, so I think, you know, I had good, as a young coach, I had good people, but I think this y'all that, um, that we tell our team all the time, you're, you're going to be the average of your five best friends. So we, we hashtag 2.5 some. And, and so I think in this day and age, you can have virtual mentors and it's easy, right? I mean, if, if you want to Pete Carroll to help you, there's so much information out there about Pete Carroll, you know, like his book win forever is amazing. I read win forever before I met Brian Kane. And so uh, I just think like, I'm not best friends with Matt rule or anything, but when he was at Baylor, we had some type of, you know, he's awesome by the way. And so uh, we, we would text every now and then. And he told me one time that before he goes to bed every night, he watches a YouTube video of somebody coaching. That's his routine. And one time he sent me a, a link to George Pop Greg Popovich talking about basketball in Berlin, you know? And so that's why, you know, guys like Matt Ruler, who they are. Right. And so I, I just think if anybody that I talk about this in culture defeat strategy too, about there's a guy who, won the world championship throwing the javelin who grew up without, a, you know, Kenya, right. And learned how to throw the javelin on YouTube. So if, if you want mentors, then make sure you seek out men who will nurture you and then find virtual mentors too, and read, listen to podcasts, but find people that are doing it right. I mean, if, if you want to know how PJ Fleck does things, there's a bunch of information out there. And so uh, I just think that uh, anybody who really wants to learn from other people, it's, it's too easy to do it now. Well, I think, you know, you hit on the head what I've heard Tim Kite say about having a noticer and influencer in your life. Someone who's going to notice something about you and be willing to have a critical conversation with you and influence you to do things the way that you want them to do them. And without saying it in that term, that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that's awesome. And that, that's what, and I'm telling you, that, that's what I love about Focus 3 and all that is it's systematic. And yes, but I think you must find people who are willing to help hold you accountable. I mean, um, this is from, how to, the oldest book ever, right? How to win friends and influence people. I think it was written in the fifties, but you know, he talks about even the people on death row think that deep down they're good people. Right. And so none of us look at each other in the, in our lens, like we should. I mean, we all just, we, we all just give her, you know, whatever. And so you got to find people who are willing to say, Hey, Hey, Randy, you know, that ain't right or whatever. And, uh, and our head coaches listening to this will understand this. But a lot of times your assistants won't do that. And so, um, you know, you got to find. So I think you got to find peers. I mean, I remind my assistants all the time. I want to have some assistants that are old enough who might help hold me accountable. But but I think you got to find peers. And, and I think this, too, my, I've got a, a fiance and, and she's in the business world. And, and so she doesn't like coaches. Coaches. Um, are more open to help each other than maybe any profession in the world. Like she can't comprehend it hardly that we come on here and give secrets away, you know? And, and so um, I think it, but that's a big deal y'all like, and, and I'm now I'm getting like, here, here's the thing. Okay. Is young coaches. Here's the difference. When, when, when I was young, there was no X and O labs to help me learn every scheme under the sun. You know, I'm not a, 
Like I have an offensive clinic called Fast and Wide, and basically it's the Art Browse offense. I mean, I hired a guy in 17, and I love it. It's awesome. I mean, uh, I'm plugging it, guys. If you if you come go to my website, if you want to learn incredible offense, but that is not the nuts and bolts. You know, you can't just get on X and O Labs and learn every scheme. Man, you got to learn how to coach and how to treat people and all the relationship stuff. And so, um, I, yeah, I just think you better find people to help hold you accountable. And, uh, and, and you know, it's kind of like working out by yourself or getting in a, in a group of people. You know, none of us are going to work out as hard by themselves. So find a group of peers to help you. Coach, you've been coaching for, I think you said you're about 30 years, correct? Mm-hmm. So d- looking back, you know, kind of, you know, to the early parts of your career, was there this big emphasis on the relationship piece with, I mean, did you see it back in, in your part? Where, why do you think this changed in, in in our profession? All right. So this is the most fascinating thing ever, Dwayne, I think. Like this is, like I got goosebumps right now because this really gets me going. So uh, kids today are so different. So um, I, when I wrote my first book, I called people and interviewed them. I got to go speak. I got I sat in one on one in person with Bill Snyder for 90 minutes. He was amazing. OK, I called Jerry Kill, who used to be the head coach at Minnesota. He was awesome. Um but anyway, a legend down here is Spike Dykes. And so Sonny Dykes' dad, y'all, he's, he was funny. He's passed away now, but he was, he was a legend. And so I called him. And I, so here's what I do, y'all. When college coaches come and visit North Forney, I'm going to ask them questions and get better. And I've got a, a place where I take notes. And here's the two questions I ask them. What's the number one thing you do to develop toughness? And what's the number one thing you do to develop relationships? And I get such good answers, right? Like uh, Coach Bailiff that used to be the head coach at Rice, he's like within a millisecond, he said, oh, that's easy, man. We do a karaoke contest during fall camp. Well, we've we've stolen that, you know, like awesome, right? Well, anyway, he told me that three years ago. Well, when I played football, nobody cared one bit about – anything, you know, like, you know, we just didn't care. Right. But when I was a kid, y'all, like my parents never asked me where I wanted to go out to eat. They, I mean, all they did was say, if we did go out to eat, which was unusual, but boy, if I somehow got a Coke, it was like, don't drink all that Coke. Now you're not getting another one. Right. There weren't refills back then. And so, so here's the deal. Okay. Is I called Spike Dykes and I said, coach, I'm writing a book. He was so hospitable. He was awesome. But he's, I said, what's the number one thing you did about relationships back when you coached? And he paused and he said, Randy, I don't really know. He, he didn't have an answer really. And, and he felt bad, you know, and, and we talked about other things and all. But I think it's just a, just goes to show you that like 25 or however many years ago, kids like you didn't have to care about it. Right. I mean, when I was playing, it was, uh, if I got cussed then he's the coach and that's what they're supposed to do. And, and I'm going to try harder so I don't get cussed again. Well, our players are on now our players have a voice. And so this is the message y'all that I think is, I want to shout to the world is if you want to coach kids now who can get on their phone and retweet something and like something and share something and every, I mean, some of your players listening to this, y'all have girlfriends they've never met before. They're like, I mean, there are kids in Texas who have girlfriends in Iowa. That's just how they are now. Okay. So they have so much, like when I was a kid, how, how did I find out information? Two ways. There was encyclopedias that were dusty that I never looked at, or I could ask an adult. They don't need us for information now. They have their phone, right? I mean, they, they, so I'm saying this a long way, a long answer, y'all, but uh, if you're going to create a culture and uh, you better let them have a voice, you better, you better let them be a part of it. I mean, our core values at North Fournier are 99% the same as we had at Grapevine where I first started doing them, but our kids at North Fournier think they came up with them. 
you know, and, and they need to feel that way. And so, um, so I'm just saying all that to say is that is, I think, I think we all have to look at this young and old coaches of, man, if you're just going to say, here's what we're doing and here, you know, uh, they're, they're not going to buy in, in my opinion, as much as it is if you let them have a voice and feel like they help come up with all this stuff, you know, with your core values or however you're going to roll with it. So, so coach, obviously, you know, since you've wrote two books, I'm sure you probably hear from people all over the United States about um, the things that you've wrote in your books. I mean, do you ever get any like, well, we just can't do that here, you know, like, cause you know, everyone talks about how Texas is a different breed of, you know, cause you guys have spring ball. Iowa doesn't have spring ball, for instance, right? you know, most of, um, most of us who are football coaches in Iowa are also teachers. And I, whereas, you know, in Texas, you are probably, are you an activity or athletic director and, and ball coach or coordinator or whatever they call it down there. So, um, you know, you know, we, you know, we're, we're still lesson planning and doing all that kind of stuff, grading stuff. So, I mean, uh, I was just curious to see if people say like, well, how do you, you know, how can I do that here when it's kind of a different setup? Yeah. And that one of the advantage I have is getting to go speak at a lot of places. So I know how I say this to like Texas does not have better coaches or better athletes. Uh, we have a better system, you know, so, uh, you know, so we have, from our players don't go to class till second period because first period, all the boys athletes are in an athletic class and, well, you can't you can't coach in Texas if you're not a full time employee. So it literally y'all for year round, it's me and 14 assistants with our players. And so I get it. Right. Like it's utopia. And but but I've been to other places and spoke like I got a good friend in Oregon. You know, like I get it. You know, like there's co there's. There's states that don't have middle school athletics or junior high athletics aligned with the high school. And so I just think here's what I always tell people is there's a if there's a way to do it. Uh, even if you don't. I just think you have to do some kind of meeting situation with your players every day and you don't hope for the best. And so um, I think to create a culture like P.J. Fleck, I learned this speaking in Minnesota and then I got to go sit in on a meeting. But you got to have a meeting every day and use a, use a movie clip and things like that. And fascinate PJ Fleck, Fleck talks about fascinating. And I'm so, so even if you have to do it once a week, let's say you don't, when football season ends at your high school and you don't see your players every day, then once a week, I think you got to meet with them before school for 15 minutes or you got to find some kind of system. And then you, and then you can use, uh, WhatsApp or something like that to communicate with them. But, you know, we'll give our guys some kind of leadership lesson. Um, but we're going to talk – I tell our parents we're a leadership academy that happens to play football. Mm. And I think that is a way, like, you know, we help kind of, for lack of a better term, brainwash our players. And But you can't just do football or lift weights or whatever and, and not talk to your guys. So I think you got to find a way – to meet with them, if you don't even see them, it, you know, in, in class or whatever, come up with something before school or after school. Heck, that the only good thing that's come out of COVID, y'all, is, I mean, you can Zoom with your team now, you know, and maybe it's whenever, you know, maybe it's on a Wednesday night at 8 p.m. or something. But um, when we, like, I've got leadership lesson PowerPoints on my website, y'all, and, and, there's movie clips in there. So like, you, you know, you talk to your players about leaving a legacy and then you show them a movie clip of Achilles, uh, the movie Achilles where Brad Pitt kills the basically Goliath, and, you know, all that stuff ties in. They love that stuff. And uh, that's how, I think that's how we get our guys to, to, you know, to, to think, act and speak the same way. We had a we had a coach who spoke to that just the other day from Illinois. Coach, he he said he's looking to make an experience based program. Winning is not the uh, winning is not the goal. It's an experience based program where the kids leave there better people. And it sounds that that's ex that's exactly what you're doing. Um, and I think that's phenomenal. I think it's trying to connect 
a behavior to the experience. So then football is the vehicle that those experiences are created. Um, I, I, I love how you let your players in on your core values. Um, I, I helped, we, we, we revamped our core covenants this spring, uh, with our seniors. We had six, uh, that I came in with four years ago to school. I'm at right now, Marion, um, and we had a tough year last year. And so we're just kind of flushing and forgetting everything that happened and obviously learning from that. And so when I read your book, I was like, boy, I really got to tie this in. So I brought this concept, this freak concept into our um, players. I, I got the concept from another coach and I said, hey, this is something we're looking at. What do you guys think? And like, we love it. We, we This is what we want to do. I said, do we want to change anything? And they're like, no, we want to do this, this, and this. And, and we want it fresh. We want a new logo, do a new logo. And, and we're ready to go. And so then we sat down and we, you know, over a two week period, we, we defined what each one of those meant in four different areas. Um, and, and so it's a really new, a new way to say the same stuff, but just in a different way. And our kids are pretty excited about it. We just call them freaks now. Yeah. And they're in on it. Right. And so in 2010, I took over at Mesquite Poteet and uh, in Texas, it's like so there was 12 coaches within a week. y'all, I fired eight of them. I mean, I just right, and and you can do it here. Like it's rare, okay. Everybody doesn't let you do it, but so it was me and three assistants with a hundred players, and uh, so what I did every day it was last period athletics, and there was y'all. So this team was zero and ten the year before, okay. Well, the next my first year there, y'all, we went twelve and three and came two points from going to the state finals. I mean, it was like angels in the outfield. Okay. But here, here's, there's a lot of reasons, but here, here's what happened that spring is after practice, I met with all 21 seniors and talked to them just like you're talking about and their eyes, man, they would just like, they eat it up. You know, they want to be in on it. They want, um, you know, they just want to be a part of it. And I mean, I would tell them stuff like, look guys, uh, you know, there's not many coaches here now. I mean, we're going to hire some more. They'll start trickling in. But right now, you guys are like assistant coaches. And here's here's how I think it went today. Here's what we're going to do tomorrow. What do y'all think? Oh, man. Like, they they were they were on cloud nine, you know. I just think uh, what it sounds like you did it just exactly right is what do you guys think and how are we going to get there? And, man, if you'll let those, those guys have some ownership, they will run through the proverbial brick wall, I think. Well, that's the hope, right? That that's that's the want, that's the desire. But that's that's exciting. It really is. I love hearing that. So, coach, when you talk about your, um, you know, your program, your foundations of it, what are some of the non-negotiables within your program that you talk about with your kids? Um, okay, so here's how I view it, guys. Is I think I'm a pretty good guy, but I'm the dad. Hmm. Okay, so. And I talk about this in culture defeat strategy for you and young guys out there. When you go interview for your job, talk about relationships a bunch, but it's not, it's not a, a, a friend to friend relationship. I mean, it's a dad to son relationship. And so my, uh, so uh, we've got a, a good mix of kids. Uh, but I say this jokingly to my guys, say hey, I'm a 52 year old white guy that thinks sweater vests are cool. Okay. So, uh, so that means, you know, we're doing it my way. And if I had to pull this car over, I will, you know, that oh. thing. and so I tell my assistants, y'all are the uncles. So they must lay in traffic for you. Now I want them to lay in traffic for me, but my, the number one job for me is to maintain the culture. And on the back of my tombstone, I want you to put everything mattered. Like we don't, you know, like I'm going to, I think I'm going to lead observer, uh, Y'all, like, we, we have a, a wheel, like, you'd spin, like, a uh, wheel of fortune or something, and it, and it's got punishments on it. And so we're an early morning practice team. If you're late, you spin the wheel. I mean, you don't – so, I mean, we don't we do not do a whole lot of judge and jury stuff. If we get a bad email from a teacher, spin the wheel. And so my job is to maintain the culture, and, I mean, we're not wearing stuff to practice that I don't give you. You know, like, I'm just a pretty military guy. I love them. I tell them I love them. Um, but so, again, I think it's got to be a dad-son relationship, which means it's probably 85% positive. But every now and then you got to get on your – you know, I just – you know, so um, 
I think the assistant coaches have to be uh, maybe that uncle that we all had that, you know, that you're glad he was your uncle. He's a little more fun. He was still part of the family. You know, he still wasn't going to let you screw up bad. But so that that's kind of our um, that's kind of our way of looking at it or whatever. And so uh, but but here, here's and I talk about this a lot in culture defeat strategy, too, is I think you must have some non-negotiable, some close fisted things. And so, you know, for me, it's effort, you know, like every drill we're doing. I'm going to stand at the finish line. That's all I care about. Did you finish hard? And when it, if somebody doesn't finish hard, it's like I have an outer body experience. Like I'm, and, and so we're going to finish. We're going to be on time. We're going to be respectful. Um, but I think if you can, if we have a daily team meeting and we're pouring into them, and so our kids know I have their best interest at heart. And so that's what they allow me. Cause I got a, a lot of kids y'all without dad. I got a lot of kids who, without very good socioeconomic situations. And so I, be, I believe my kids know that uh, I'm a little bit old school, but but that I care about them. And once they know you care about them, then they'll let you coach them hard. But I think your assistant coaches have to be in on it too, but I think they have to be a, uh, not quite as, uh, you know, hardcore, if that's the right word. It's probably not. But, you know, I think your assistant coaches have to be the uncle and uh, it just has to be a consistent message. But, uh, I'm, you know, y'all, like, I just want to feel like we're helping raise kids. And I think sometimes you can get you can get tired of how kids are doing things. And, okay, today I'm going to look the other way. But a, somebody who has a son who really is a good dad, he never looks the other way. So I guess my biggest answer for that is we're never going to look the other way. And, uh, you know, we're going to love them hard enough that, that they'll take it. Coach, this is something that I've talked with uh, Tim about before in the past. Is sometimes have you, as once you became uh, head coach, did it in in your program? Did it feel like it was more of a more challenging to build those relationships with those kids? Just because you are, uh, you know, the head coach now instead of the assistant coach, and you see sometimes uh, the assistant coaches, and I don't want to say they're more friendly with them, but you know, more of a a different relationship than what you have with them. And because, you know, we have to be the ones that drop the hammer. Yeah. I think it's a great question. I I mean, I think uh, anybody listening out there, if you're a 27 year old linebacker coach, well, to me, you're the head coach of the linebackers. And I'll say this to my guys, we have staff meetings and I'm like, all right, guys, who's, who's taking their unit group to CC's last, you know, like I'm, I think true relationships are made off campus. And so I think assistant coaches have a pretty – I hate to say it this way, y'all, but you got a pretty easy job. I mean, you just have seven guys or however many you have. Uh, you have your unit. Uh, you ought to have – you know, they all have their own little WhatsApp group and all. But a head coach, yeah, head coach is listening. I know y'all can understand, but, you know, uh, it's a little more difficult because you, you've got them all. So when, when Tom Herman took the job at Texas – or maybe I guess when Tom Herman took the job at the University of Houston, when he first left Ohio State, uh, Urban Meyer told him, he said, look, you can't coach quarterbacks anymore. You can't, you know, your number one job as head coach is to maintain the culture. And so I think that's what head coaches have to be able to. I used to call plays. I probably quit four or five years ago. And because that's really when I got into the whole core value, Brian Kane thing and all. But I think a, a head coach is uh, – you got to have some. You got to have some non-negotiables. Uh, I think every kid's watching you to see how, how you're going to react to that player who's trying to see what you'll do. And uh, you know, I, I just think, man, this sounds terrible. But that kid that you you look the other way, and you I use the term fraud. I never want to be a fraud. That kid that you look the other way and you're a fraud to let him play. He heck, he could tear his ACL anyway, and now you've ruined. Uh, you got, you know, 99% of your team who thinks, um, you know, what you say is not really right. And so uh, I just don't think one player – I'm never going to lay my head down on a pillow and just say, I'm going to let this guy play and, and I'm going to have a different standard. Well, I, I think there, there are two words that Dwayne and I have really come through with, you know, not only listening to you but other coaches who come in and, and guys who have had experience – and I shouldn't say guys, we've had a couple females on here as well – but. Uh, relationships and accountability. And you that's all you've really been speaking about in, in, if we were to break it down into those two words. And so, you know, if you're a young coach and 
and, and, and you're, you're so worried about, okay, I got to get my X's and O's and across. How do you explain to a kid? And I shouldn't say kid, but you know, 27 year old kid, 29 year old kid. That's man. I got to get the, I got to get the jet sweep down and I got to get the RPO off that. And then I got to get the four, three down. Uh, how do you explain to him the, the importance of why he needs to build the relationships and, and why the accountability piece is so important? Man, it, it's, it's really, y'all, like in our offense, we have three plays almost, right? 72% of our play calls last year came from three plays. Hmm. Football ain't that hard, right? And so uh, I just think you have to know, like, it's, it's, it's like we Zoom with our team three times a week. Now, I just don't hope – one of my big phrases is hope, don't hope for the best. If somebody's not on there, we're going to find out where they are. You know, we just have a standard. And so if if you all you care about is can that kid execute and all this, then when when the I use the phrase when the ice cream turns to doo doo. Right. And it's the fourth quarter and and, and it's tied or well, that kid's going to let you down. You know, so uh, if somebody's going to let me down, it's going to be in practice or it's going to be an offseason or something like that. But I'm going to put kids on the field who. Who, who I think care as much as I care. And and so if all you're focused on is can they do the X's and O's or whatever, then, you know, how do you – like like in a marriage, you don't you don't really know uh, how you're – until you go through the fire with somebody. You know, you really don't know about your boss until you go through the fire with him. And so that's how you learn about people. And so if all you're worried about X's and O's and scheme and all and you're not putting them through the fire and seeing what they're made of um, – then I, I, you know, they're going to let you down and, and, and you're not preparing them for life. You know, I don't, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about here, but you know, one day I think I'm going to stand before God and I want him to tell me, Hey, good job. You know, but, but even, even on a football related, uh, if you want to win games, then you better make sure, like, I just believe this. If you can't get a kid to dress the way you want him to dress, then how can you get him to do what right on fourth and short? And so, that's just mm-hmm. how we, we're going to do our program. And um, I just, man, it, it, it's the little things now. It, it is not, y'all, again, North Forney High School, I'll just say this because all our, if any of our opponents, but we're, we're zone power and uh, we have about one pass play. And it is simple. And the, the, the guy that we hired from Baylor, he said it all the time, football ain't hard, don't make it hard. And uh, he's right. And so – you better be coaching the person and make sure you have somebody out there who you can count on. Well, that's uh, one of the things, uh, you know, I know that you're familiar with uh, Kenny Simpson. Uh, We've had Kenny on, um, you know, similar traits, but obviously different, different people between you and him. But, uh, you know, I was uh, looking into his, uh, his offense, uh, the wing T gun offense that uh, he, he has, and, and they have one pass play essentially. And I was like, when I first saw it, I was like, this is it. (laughs) And uh, he's like, yep, this is it. He's like, obviously, there's some variations off of it. He's like, we can make it look different. He's like, but this is it. And, and I think that just rings, that hits home for me when you said, like, football isn't hard. Look, why are we trying to make it hard? You know, why do we, why are there some programs that come out there and they have a playbook that's, you know, looks like, you know, the encyclopedia, all of them, you know, put together kind of deal. I mean, we sometimes get so caught up in trying to X and O our opponents to death when we're probably killing ourselves by trying to do that. Oh, I totally agree, Dwayne. I think that day, if you're playing week 10 to get in the playoffs, day one installs, what's going to, you're going to execute it the best. And, and it's about you. It's not really about your opponents. And I think there's ego involved. You know, I, I mean, I, I grew up a huge Oakland Raider fan and uh, God's cursed me for the last 20 years, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so I hate to say this, but I heard John Gruden say one time, man, I'm getting it. You know, he was an analyst, you know, for 10 years. He said, I'm getting into this no huddle stuff. I think if I ever get an NFL job again, I think I could probably tempo three plays or, you know, like, like his offense is just so complicated. You couldn't one word call his offense or something. And for me, the whole secret to offense is, is play faster. Now, again, I know it's a philosophy thing or whatever, but, um, uh, it's just not let's, let's don't overcoach this thing let's just play fast and execute and you know now our one pass play is a choice route and so basically there's 
a lot of different options a guy can run. But, uh, yeah, I think I think we're all – I did this, man, and you guys listening, I, I hope you'll – the more you work on the weekend, the more you're hurting your team as far as you're trying to – I sit there. I mean, I have grinded and taken aspirin on thinking if I can invent this one play, we can win this game. It's not about inventing that one play. It's about maybe, you know, I heard an old the, – the winningest coach in, I think, in the United States, I don't know, but Gordon Wood won 405 games. I heard him speak in 1990. He said, have one play with a bunch of different formations. He said, it's like a bunch of the same Christmas present with different wrapping paper. And there's a lot of genius in that. So when you, when you talk about coach, uh, you know, the, you, you just mentioned that coaches who want to grind it, you know, over the weekend and have, you know, 12 hour meetings and stuff like that. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, work balance between personal life, professional life? I mean, I know that's something that uh, you're passionate about. So and, and maybe, yeah. you know, learn some. I lost. You've you you're good, You're fine. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. So I heard, uh, I'm telling you, I love podcasts. Uh, you need to, everybody listen to this, turn off your radio, quit listening to music and listen to podcasts. And, Amen. Um, <laughs> I heard Urban Meyer talk about the 10-year sprint. And, man, it's a great phrase. Um, and I think I went on the – so I became a head coach at 30, and I, I think I went on the 12-year sprint at least. And – uh, I was married 22 years and, and she, we lived in 15 houses and she said uncle a few years ago. And, uh, you know, I just think, I think that we, if I would have known the Art Browse offense, um, maybe, you know, it would have been different or whatever. So I, I just think you can be a great coach and a great husband, uh, but you just have to be where your feet are. And so I would come home and still be engaged, yeah. you know? And you got to come home and put your phone down for however long and be where your feet are. And I think coaching is, you know, the lady I'm with now, she, again, in private business, uh, they don't, people don't get it, but coaching, you can work literally, you know, 24 hours a day, I guess, and watch video and just, there's always something you can be doing but uh, football ain't hard. Don't make it hard. And when you get home, you know, be just as good a husband and father. But I, I'm telling you, it just won't happen if you hope for the best. You got to be real intentional about that. And so, guys, you know, just, you know, don't do the 10 year sprint and uh, leave your leave your family in the dust. And, and I think you speak to something. Sorry, Dwayne, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll ask this for you. But, um, you know, when you look at the profession of coaching, in whatever sport it is, it, there's always, you look at Twitter, there's always something going on. Like, you got to be doing this. Coaches, if you're not doing this, you got to be doing this. Here's the next best thing. And the language that you're speaking, quite frankly, contradicts that. And I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I think, I think the hang up is what if I miss something? And, and you know, and so, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, that's something I, I struggle with. You know, what, what if, what if like, this is the thing, you know, but in, in your dark moment by yourself, you know, when you're thinking, reflecting, it's, it seems like it, that can't, it's too easy. Right. But you always hear the, the phrase, uh, simple is easy, but it's also very difficult. Yeah. You just, I used to feel like if a clinic and of course around Dallas, you know, there's football clinics, you know, and I had to, I had to go and I had to like go to every lecture and, Y'all, I, I just think, man, I, I, I think you, what you got to do is find a system you, you believe in and, and master that thing. You know, like I think Bruce Lee says he doesn't fear the guy with 10,000 different kicks. It's the guy who's got one kick he practiced 10,000 times. And, but that is so – the hardest thing about being a head coach is you, everything works. You know, like every offense is good. You know, I mean, they all work. And – Man, when you first get that first head coaching job and, and you can be like, man, this will look cool, this motion and shift and all that stuff. And, again, you know, it's it's not about your opponent. You're, it's not about trying to trick your opponent. That's what I used to try to do. It's how good can you be 
and how fast can you do it? Now, again, that's just a philosophy thing for me. But for me, the answer is play fast and be really good at what we do and have answers. You know, we're always like, okay, how are they getting that extra hitter in the box? Okay, this is our RPO. You know, I mean, you got to have a system in place. But, y'all, there, you're listening to a guy who has set in on more lectures. You know, I've had assistant coaches tell me, Coach, I've never seen somebody sit in on every lecture and take notes. And, and you know, I, 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 I'm sure I learned from all those lectures. But and, – and you need to go. Don't get me wrong. But that, there's not a – there is not a secret lecture out there that's going to be like the heavens are going to open up or anything. It is just uh, – I mean, I think you just have to do a good job of that work-life balance. And I think, Tim, you make a great point. Really what you did, you just described me to a T is I had such a fear, man, or anxiety. I'm kind of an anxious type of guy, but like, man, is somebody getting better than me? And I got I don't want somebody to get better than me. And um, I think we just have to make sure that, you know, it's a balance. Everything in life is a balance. And when it's time to grind, grind. But you got to get that out of your head, y'all, of like, is there some secret play that I don't know about that would change my career forever? Because there's not, you know, uh, again, it, it, it is just, it's about it's really about your systems in place. Uh, believe this from the bottom of my heart. Will your players lay in traffic for you? You know, do you have a discipline in your program and can you execute your offense or whatever and make adjustments? But it's not about some secret, I mean, getting certified in something or anything like that. I mean, you just, you, you just got to stay simple and execute like nobody's business. Well, I think, Coach, when you, you talk about, uh, you know, Tim and I personally off of, you know, our podcast have talked, you know, quite a bit about the work and life balance and, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, I, I've struggled with. I know I, Tim's talked about how he struggled with it. I mean, because, you know, even though, you know, we play from August until November, you know, our, our mind as a head football coach does not shut off, you know, when the season ends. And, um, you know, my biggest thing has always been not necessarily, you know, there's stuff that I can always be doing, but, you know, if a kid calls, you know, how can I not answer that phone call? you know, or a parent calls or, you know, someone that's, you know, in, in regards to or an assistant coach calls, you know, and instead of, you know, and I, you know, I can probably, I've lost count how many times where I've, you know, looked at my phone and I, then I look at my wife and I say, Hey, I got to take this. And she's like, of course you do. You know I mean? So whether it's during supper time or whatever, and, and, uh, you know, I, I almost feel like sometimes I should just, uh, you know, have like a little lockbox and put my phone in there because if I see someone that calls, there's no way I feel like, I feel like I'm, I, that could be, I don't know what's on the other end of that phone call. How can I not justify answering that phone call? So here's what I think you should do. Okay. And I, this is a lot of fun to talk about y'all. I don't ever get these questions on podcasts, but when you come home, put your phone in a drawer for an hour. Mm. I mean, just put it up, man, for an hour because nothing's going to happen that you can't let, get back with them. Because I'm with you. If a kid calls, you got to answer. If, a, if an assistant coach calls, you got to answer. Here, here's what I think needs to be said is that my ex-wife was a teacher. She was laid back. I watched more football than I think anybody in the history could watch. And so we slowly through the years drifted apart because it wasn't because I was answering the phone and taking care of kids. It wasn't because I was going to games or whatever. When I came home, I didn't put my phone in a drawer and I watched football and I just kind of really just didn't, I wasn't plugged in enough. So I think you can still answer calls that you need to make. I still think you can serve coaches and kids, but I think it's just, you can't zone out and, Man, I mean, I was guilty. Like, I'd sit in a chair. My laptop would be on my lap. I'd be on Twitter and watching football. And I'm pretty freaking happy doing it, you know. But over the years, your relationship's just going to drift, and you're just going to drift apart, you know. So I think that's just thing the coaches, you know, guys, put your phone up for an hour, eat dinner, be totally engaged, and then don't just watch football the rest of the night whenever you, you know, get done with supper and, Find, find ways just to make sure you don't drift. Well, Coach, don't you think that it's 
it's uh, it's come comes down to confidence in who you are and being able to establish just like you we talked about earlier non-negotiables but hey this is this is what I'm doing and so if somebody needs to get a hold of me know they know that hey I'm not available here I won't respond during this time and then that's an expectation that people get used to but it takes it takes getting out of your own way to do that and I, I'm quite frankly, I haven't done it yet. I'm guilty of that. My wife, same thing as Dwayne, Kathy, God love her. She's like, mm, okay, all right, there's the phone, you know? And uh, I just, you know, it's real important, you know? And, uh, you know, so I, I appreciate you saying that, you know, one hour a day, that's doable. You know, if you, if you, if you think about, you know, if you're to say, Hey man, you get home at four 30, put your phone up till 10 o'clock at night. I, I think a lot of people will go, Whoa, wait a minute. But one hour a day sets a discipline. And I, I think that's a really great piece of advice. In fact, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to. Dwayne's going to hold me to that. He's, he's my brother from another mother, and, uh, and so I, I really appreciate that. I'm going to. I got a meeting tomorrow night with my staff, so I'm going to push that onto them, and they're probably going to be like, "We do that all the time. What's your deal?" You know? Yeah. yeah. And I think during the day, you know, like here's what I used to call email grades, right? I just looked at my script. Boy, if somebody emailed me, I'd answer it. And, you know, I think during the day you have to be able to disengage from email some and just have certain times you're answering email and head coaches, I think you just have to have blocks of time where, you know, you're doing things productively or whatever, but you're not just sitting there um, answering emails. And and so I, I just think we ought, we have to be disciplined with our time all, all the time, I guess is the point I'm trying to make here is yeah. you have to have a system for your time. And if you can't put your phone up for an hour I mean, Lord have mercy. I mean, nothing's going to, nothing's burning down that fast. That's right. So coach, as, as you think about this whole quarantine thing, this COVID-19 and, and kind of what Texas is doing, what, what are some strategies that, that you're implementing um, in yourself, maybe in your team um, that might be helpful for people to hear? Here's what we did. Um, again, I, I'm a, I, I'm a guy that doesn't want, I think you got to fascinate kids. So we met, we zoomed three times a week. Monday was a team meeting that I led. Wednesday was position group. And Friday was guest speaker. And we tried to have some really good speakers. We, we like three, the last three weeks have been three NFL guys. And well, actually the last week, me and a, one of my assistant head coach who's African-American, we really talked about Minneapolis and, you know, again, but kids love that, right? I mean, we talked about, you know, a 52-year-old white guy and a 45-year-old African-American guy talked about race in America, and uh, we got good discussion out of it. But so anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, is if 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 I would have ran three zooms, uh, that had got old real quick. And so we find way we found ways to do that. We're going to open up a week, uh, June the eighth, and. Um, it has been a lot of talk about it. In fact, we're still talking about it some. I mean, the analogy I'm using is going to be like kindergarten PE, stay six feet apart, don't touch anybody. You know, the teacher's going to be with – so coaches are going to be with them the whole time. You know, if we have four groups of 20, the coach – I don't think, you know, coaches can't leave their group even. And so, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, it's better than what it's been. And I think it's, it's like everything else, you know, we're just kind of, op we're opening up slowly. And um, at, a month ago, I'd have told you football wasn't going to start on time, but you know, though I, I think um, the more the, in, in the South, at, you know, Oklahoma starting with zero restrictions. It's like, do whatever you want, you know? And so um, in the South, it's a little bit more of let's go. And, and uh, if we don't have a big spike, then maybe we can start on time. Well, I think that uh, we'll, we'll be the state that kind of determines that for you guys, uh, since we're the only uh, state in the union that uh, has uh, summer sports. We play summer and baseball and softball, and, and we're starting that. So, and, you know, I think that uh, uh, if the numbers, we don't see huge spikes or anything like that, I think that's going to be kind of the, the canary in the coal mine for Iowa, at least, uh, you know, to, to start fall sports without any hitches for us. So. Hopefully so, we don't mess it up for you, Coach. You just read my mind, Dwayne. I'm like, all right, we're rooting for you guys. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, you know, if you had to talk about, you know, and obviously if anyone out there has not gotten culture defeat strategy one or two, uh, definitely, you know, go to Coach Jackson's website. We'll mention it at the end. Uh, get one of those because I think they're definitely, uh, you know, I put them up there with a lot of the other leadership books that I've read, um, you know, big fans of. So, but if you, you know, without giving away the farm here, uh, what would be your three biggest takeaways from your book that if you had to, you know, tell someone that, you know, that they needed to do or, or should be implementing in their program, what would you what would you mention or what would you recommend to them, coach? Um, you know, for me, I think culture defeat strategy was has been a good sell or whatever. It's been popular because I think it's I just put into words of what Brian Kane showed me of just how to create core values. And so I don't know how you have a culture without core values. I mean, it's basically your constitution or whatever. And so I just remember reading in Win Forever that you need core values. And so before I started doing this system, you know, I printed in 2014, I printed locker tags and put the core values underneath them. Never talked about them really to the team, you know, didn't. And so, of course, they were meaningless, you know. And so I think what people like about I hate reading books, y'all where at the end of the book, I'm like, well, what can I use out of this? And so God bless college coaches, but I really college coaches, I'm sure 90% of D1 college coaches are listening to this. I don't care how you beat your opponent and how many yards rushing somebody had. I want to know a take home, you know? So I think I try to put as many tools in there as I could. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's, how to create core values and, and, you know, kind of, we just go down that path of what do you do with those core values? How do you, so like I had a buddy of mine one time who, who worked for another coach. He bought my uh, copy for everybody on his staff. They read the book, they printed signs and never talked about them again. So, you know, they didn't, they didn't get anything out of it. I'm sorry, y'all. They didn't get anything out of it. And so, so it's how to create core values, how to maintain them and, and, and do them daily. And then and then I think another big part of it is just so here's here's culture feet strategy one, y'all, is core values and how to create that culture. And then I take the job at North Forney. And then so it's culture feet strategy two is taking this to another school with a honestly selfish entitled kids uh, and how to make it happen in real time or whatever. And, you know, just how to make it happen. So uh, it is, I had a guy, an athletic director in Nebraska, call it paint by numbers. You mm-hmm. know, so it is, it, it really is sort of culture for dummies. You know, it, it's because I, I kind of wrote it like that of here's what you do. I mean, there's so many things in there. You really can't do them all, but um, you're not going to read it and go, you know, uh, I'm not sure what to do here. You know, it's, it's written pretty systematically. And so I think that's the biggest strength of it is I wrote it like uh, where somebody wouldn't be frustrated of, you know, I didn't, I really don't know exactly how to do this. Yeah. That, that's incredible. And I think that's enough of a tease for if you're, if you're a coach and it doesn't matter football or, or anything. And quite honestly, building culture is not specific to sports. It's, it's specific to every business that's being run. It doesn't matter if you're running a little coffee shop or you're running, you know, a multi-million dollar company, you've got to be able to lead people and develop a culture that helps them, you know, have trust and get results. Right. And so, um, you know, one thing we loved, and you mentioned win forever a few times, so I know that's on your list, but, you know, reading is, I know you've mentioned is, is a sign of, of strong leadership because it means you're investing in yourself and podcasts. And, uh, you know, so what are some of your top books that you would recommend people who want to be a better leader? And, and, and maybe what are you reading now? Um, right now I'm reading a book called moments. Really good. Um, it talks about just, you know, like, uh, what we remember, what we remember in life are big moments. And so it really got me to thinking, you know, of, I want to make moments for my team that when they're coming back for their 20 year reunion, they're going to remember moments. And so it's a good book. Um, you know, the culture code is really good. Um, I, I, one of the best books that's helped me personally is, is um, Jocko Wilnick. 
Um, extreme, extreme ownership. ownership. Sorry, I had a brain contusion there. But extreme ownership, you know, was of really helped me a lot as far as now if something goes wrong, then even if I didn't do it, then it's I didn't communicate it well enough. And so I think that's a really good book. Um, I, you know, John Gordon stuff is really good. You went in the locker room first. It's really good. Um, the boys in the boat. Here, here's the thing that I, I think that um, that I've learned is it's not about finding football books. It's about finding books that you know help you learn how to how the mind works. And you know, there's a book out there, y'all, by Tim Elmore called Generation IY, and it's probably written 10 years ago. So it's kind of obsolete a little bit because it's talking about, but it's, it's one of the first books that's talking about how kids are different, you know, and about how if, if you think you can coach a kid who doesn't need adults for information that we talked about earlier, you know, so, um, you know, they say I've got this in my culture defeat strategy too, but Bill Belichick thinks he's got the biggest football library in the world. You know, uh, I mean, book reading books that I think that's man, if I could go back in time and turn off and, you know, instead of watching every Seinfeld episode, <laughs> right? I mean, I think King of Queens is amazing, but I wish I wouldn't have watched every one of those and read some books and, and, and find books, y'all, that aren't about sports specific, find books that are that'll get you into the mind and, and things like that. And so you know, find books that'll, they'll stretch you. Well, coach, uh, you know, as we're wrapping up here, I know, you know, I would encourage anyone to go to your website, which I mentioned earlier, uh, but it's coachrandyjackson.com. They can also find you on Twitter at coach Jackson TPW. Um, any other ways is, is that is good way to reach out to you coach besides uh, those two things i know that your email is listed on your website as well or they can send you a message through there right yes sir yeah and guys i send um emails about twice a week on on kind of stuff we've talked about like i've got a series now about how to win the interview and talk about um just do's and don'ts on how to interview well and so uh i, I just like like i say i like teaching i like our profession um so you can go to my website and subscribe and I'll get you on the email list. And, but uh, I've got stuff on my website that's from 99 cents on up and it's just things I think will help coaches. There's a lot of leadership PowerPoints on there. And again, if you want to talk about uh, wide splits by your wide receivers, the art stuff, um, you know, I call it fast and wide offense to culture to whatever, but uh, you know, I'd love to, help anybody become a better coach. I, I think it's uh, my calling. So I'd be honored to help anybody. Well, coach, I know you've helped me, uh, you know, obviously through your books, but I've also used, uh, you know, through your, your email list, uh, I'm on that. And I've actually, I used your uh, tightrope story uh, before and uh, you should have heard the pin drops just like, uh, you know, when I, you know, end, ended it and like, who's, who's going to get in the wheelbarrow. And, you know, it was this pin drops and uh, it, it was it was a pretty powerful moment, to be honest, with with my my players. So and I think it kind of was that light bulb going off for them. Well, that's, yeah, that's great. I appreciate you telling me that. And again, it's a moment. Right. So like I talked about that book moments while ago, but it's something that that uh, you can't just go in and have those meetings and hope for the best. You have to have a plan. So, yeah, that's awesome. I'm honored you used it. Well, Coach, we are honored that you spent the last hour with us. This has been absolutely phenomenal. I got two pages of notes, and you know, Dwayne and I say this every time we have guests on here, but we we feel like every one of these podcasts just keeps getting better and better and better. And I know you've got a lot going on, so y your time is precious, and uh, you've you've made time to make coaches better uh, today. And so, people that hear you, they know how to reach out to you. They can listen to this. We'll have a recap, about a ten minute recap next Sunday, kind of just talking about some takeaways we had for this, but um, we look forward to having you back. I, there's so much information here. We can't get to it and we could be here for five hours talking about all this stuff, but we would love to have you back in the future to talk, to talk deeper into some of the stuff that we've, we've broached on today, if that'd be all right. Oh, anytime guys, honestly, now that the quarantine's over and I'm back at work, I somewhat have a little more time in the summer. So, uh, 
I'd be, uh, I'd be more than happy to come back. Awesome. Well, I'd like to thank my co-host Dwayne Mathis and obviously our guest coach Randy Jackson for being with us today. And uh, let's keep chasing life leadership and pursuit of greatness in everything that we do. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. Thanks again for checking out our podcast today and sticking around to the end. Dwayne Mathis and I are so grateful that you decided to stop by. Just a reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on any platform that you use to listen in. Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. If you have any questions, please be sure to send us an email at lifeleadpg at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners, about topics you want to hear regarding leadership. Also, check out our YouTube channel. We post videos every Sunday and recap the podcast that we had the previous week. Great opportunity to get a quick hit of what we're talking about. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss an opportunity to get better as a leader. And as always, let's keep chasing life, leadership, and pursuit of greatness in everything that we do. Have a great night.